Coming up on today's show, we're looking at the PS5 breakdown, new details about PS5 trophies, and we've got a preview of Watch Dogs Legion. Now that we have dicked around for long enough, <laughs> oh man, it's time to talk about some video games. I wonder what it would be like to have a dick. Just saying, <laughs> I've wondered that sometimes too. Right? Like it's probably I feel like fun. Peeing would be so much easier. I yeah. think yeah, for peeing, yeah, would be it great. probably would be. I also you do all want kinds of experience. tricks and like flips with it. Like like uh, what's the little the skateboards you do with your fingers? Like an ollie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where are we going with this? But I do want to experience once in my lifetime pulling a ball away from your thigh. I've heard that's a very, very satisfying feeling. Oh, like, kind of like taking your bra off kind of a moment? Yeah, 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 but like peeling your nut from your thigh. Just from, Sounds you know. good. Yeah, Probably yeah, really yeah. relaxing. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by a very animated Christine Steimer. Hello, I've had some wine. And Brittany <laughs> Brumbacher is here. Hello. And welcome back, Rihanna Manuel. Hello. Uh, Congratulations, Rihanna, on your new job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's really exciting. And I did double check. I'm cool to be here. So thanks, G4, for letting me stick with what's good. Good move. Hells yeah. <laughs> thanks, G4. You're the best. We stand a network that allows side projects to continue. Exactly. <laughs> 100% standing. Uh, we're super excited for you. We talked about it on WGG Live when you announced on Monday. Um, and while we're sad that you can't keep working with us in the way that you were, we're super glad that you can hang around and come back to the podcast from time to time and can't wait to see what you're going to do with the fun folks over at G4. Thank you. Yes. And also, you will be closer to us. Also, yes. yes. Move to Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Working on it. Working uh, on it. Brittany. I know. I know. Uh, so, Britt. I, I, Brit, this pressure. We're with us shorter, <laughs> a shorter amount of time, and she's already coming You know, I just have this so. immense pressure on me now, and it's okay. It's fine. It's just, <laughs> this is part of the process. Ladies and gentlemen, this is peer pressure at its finest. It yeah. truly is. You know, I don't peer pressure a lot, but in this instance, I think it's warranted. It's fair. It is. It's totally fair. Well, speaking of peer pressure, no, that's not the kind of segue I wanted to make here. <laughs> I do want to let you guys know that we are counting down to our 200th episode of What's Good Game. So watch it or die. <laughs> well, <laughs> just kidding. That's a very lovely threat from one Christine it's a, it's a spoop. It is a spoop. <laughs> I do want to say it wouldn't be possible without our fantastic... Patreon community supporting us from day one, and that includes our October Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Californicated, Justin Foshi, Punctified, Ferrisate, Mohammed Mohammed, Marcus Brown, David Icolucci, and Alex Rogopoulos. Thank you to all of our producers for supporting us, and welcome to our Patreon community at patreon.com slash what's good games, Kate and Kyle Burkholder. Don't forget, you guys can be part of the show if you are on Patreon by submitting questions when Burke calls for them every week, and there's a bunch of other fun perks if you want to help support the show like getting the show for ad free you don't have to listen to ads if you go to patreon.com slash what's good games and subscribe to the epic membership or above just a little pro tip Brittany. another way for people to support if they don't have the finances to do so on patreon is to give us reviews preferably of the five star variety and yeah. we have a couple people that have done so this week we do we have cartsfin 
Cart de Finn. Thank you, Cart de Finn. <clears throat> we also have Zombie Rogers, who says, Mass Effect 2 is the worst of the trilogy, and I will fight about it. That being oh. said, I love you all. Cheers. Thank you, Zombie Rogers. I Andrea. will definitely fight you in the street, <laughs> Zombie Rogers, when I see you next. It will happen. Mark my words. And we also have Bad Attack. Thank you all so much for those reviews. Like Andre said, if you don't have the means to support us financially, you can support our ego by leaving us a five-star <laughs> review. You know, I think uh, for Zombie Rogers, if we're dis- if we're not counting the very last bit of Aspect 3, I would agree with him. Hmm. Interesting. But the very last bit definitely ruined, ruined it all. <laughs> ruined the whole game. <laughs> not the ruined the whole game, but I remember having like the most amazing epic fucking time and so many emotional highs and lows and then the ending and I literally was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rough. What? That's rough, buddy. Why? Yeah, you weren't you weren't alone. I Simon. wasn't, <clears throat> which was no. unfortunate. I kind of had hoped that that would be one of those moments where I was alone, but I was not. <laughs> no, no. All right, well, let's get into the news, and I want to let you know that this week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Tile and Upstar. But we'll talk more about that later. Our first story is, of course, that wild dismantling of the PlayStation Five. Brittany, would you mind kicking us off? I'll kick you so far, baby girl. All right, uh, oh, wait, ooh. wait, like no, that yeah, sounded way more violent. Movie. Yeah, no, 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 that didn't <laughs> go well together. I mean, if you have her consent, yeah. if you you're know. into that, yeah, of course, we we're not here to kink shame. Anyway, PlayStation Five teardown video offers first look at the console's guts. This comes from Polygon. <laughs> It was just over a month to go until the PlayStation 5 launches. Sony has finally given us a detailed look at the internal components of its next-generation console in a teardown video posted Wednesday on the PlayStation YouTube channel. The teardown was conducted by Yasuhiro Utori, vice president of the mechanical design department at Sony Interactive Entertainment's hardware design division. Very, very smart man. In the seven-minute video, Utori indeed tore down the PlayStation 5 entirely, showing off and commenting on its components as he disassembled the console. Now, did you ladies see this at all absolutely I, yes i only heard about it because okay. i heard about i i saw all the things afterwards about how large the playstation was in relation to this man um, <laughs> yeah it's pretty big and that's what but i said. didn't actually watch this video yeah <laughs> so. i watched it and i was like okay i'm gonna try to follow along as well as i can so okay you're showing off the usb ports okay i get it that's cool lay the playstation 5 on its side showed that weird way of look at that big fan right okay oh, yeah, we a have a question about the fan for you specifically in a second and Ooh, then he took exciting. off the side panels, showed off the cute little dust collector holes in there that you can vacuum out with a vacuum cleaner. And then after that, it was game over. I was lost. I didn't understand a single <laughs> damn thing that happened during the rest of that I tear mean, away video. Do I want a console that I have to vacuum? Yes. Um, that I have to vacuum? That I have, have to? Sure. Well, have that to, I have but, to vacuum? But like any... Almost any, almost any electronic others. device you have, you have to dust if you want to make sure to maintain it. Dust? Yes. I vacuum? do dust my consoles, but I do not open them up and vacuum them. Should I be doing that? You know, um, <laughs> I mean, not. I mean, maybe because here's my thing: if you have a vacuum, like a little handheld vac, you're not just blowing the dust around; you're actually removing the dust, right? Whereas if you take like the cans of compressed air, like you oh, use yeah. for keyboards I don't use, and I stuff, I use like an actual duster right? on top of it or around it. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's just my that's just my two cents. I like that they thought about that because it's going to help long term performance. When you're spending the kind of money that you have to drop for this console, plus the games, plus controllers, all of that, like it's a significant investment. You want this console to last, and the best way to maintain your high end electronics is to take care of them. I agree. My only gripe is that like, what 
family is going to go in and like disassemble this to vacuum it however many times in the next few years <laughs> or put in the yeah. proprietary hard drive to extend it. You know what I mean? It's it's very technical and it feels a little unapproachable for your typical consumer. So to vacuum it out, all you have to do is take off the side panel and it's just like you click it off yourself and then the little dust holes are right there. So it's not okay. like you have no to perform surgery. Yeah. No that doesn't required. seem as bad as the, no. the expandable no, storage. And, and that's why I understood all of it until that oh, point. Oh, motherboard. And then after that, that was it. So <laughs> earlier in the video, one of the first things this very, very intelligent man does is he shows you how to lay the PlayStation 5 on its side. And to do that, you oh, unscrew something. Oh, yes, let me something. find that part of the video. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So to do that, you unscrew the... You lay it gently you yes. sing it a lullaby yeah I wish it was that simple you remove the screw on the base of it and then you take the screw store it into the base get a plug from the base use that plug to plug the hole that the screw is in and then you take the base and then you click it on and then you can lay it on it's you ro- rotate he has a rotation it. thing here yeah I missed the rotation part I am so sorry <laughs> yeah and then you just click it right it there be. And then you can just lay that baby down, sing a lullaby, and have it go to sleep. So obviously, like, you know, this isn't something we're all used to. Thank you, Steimer. And I thought this was kind of cute. Xbox UK put out this really cute, like, silly tweet. How to switch the Xbox Series X from vertical to horizontal. And it's just, like, two photos of it standing vertically and then just one laying horizontally. (laughs) But apparently they got some shit because they deleted it. Yeah, yeah, but like honestly, like that's them that's them taking a low blow. It's them punching down. It's like you don't need to put out your what you think is a snarky, funny tweet in response to PlayStation doing a teardown video. Clearly, the design and the shape of the PlayStation 5 requires a specific kind of holder. And like they shouldn't be making any jokes about it because the Xbox One X has a very specific stand and holder, whether you have it standing or, or laying down, you have to use their holder. And so whatever Xbox, you did the same freaking thing. I don't you know if people... have like a plug and like a spinny like screw, but like who cares? <laughs> Is that really what you're going to nitpick at? I'm glad people gave them shit. Yeah. They don't need to be, they don't need to be petty. That they was, don't that need was to do lot. that at all. And it hasn't been the way that they have responded to a lot of things. And I think it's disappointing that someone on their team was thinking that they were going to be clever. Yeah. Like, take the high road. Just take the high road. It was was harmless, but I get it. Like, when you're trying not to fuel the fires of console wars, (laughs) et cetera, et cetera, people will be like, oh, what's a low blur? And if PlayStation were to do that to Xbox, Sony would be looked at the bad, evil villain, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know, because Sony actually did do that. Like, in the last generation, like here's how you share an Xbox or here's how you share a Sony game like they're literally taking a page directly from Sony's book but I understand that was a bit of a a low blow and I I would like to see Xbox keep it classy but I think the funnier one was this is how you put expandable storage in an Xbox Series X and they literally just plugged in the hard drive versus literally unscrewing things and like again stuff that I feel like is a little bit advanced for your average consumer because I, I know if I, I tried to unscrew my console and I was a kid, my mom would have freaked the fuck out. Yeah. No, I'm with you, Ree. I agree that it's not really approachable to the general consumer. But for the most part, I think the difference is that you're going to get a performance difference when you have an internally installed drive versus a USB connected drive. There's... Obviously, somebody much more tech savvy is going to have the exact specifics and speed transfer, but having it on internally is always going to be a better performance than having it connected via a cable. Oh, I totally we agree. have a question for one Christine Steimer from one Molly oh. Bittner. Hey. Oh, Molly, hi. 
Why? What does Steimer think of those fans? I mean, from what I'm seeing right here, they look mighty big, which I'm very into. Make it quiet, please. It's supposed to be very <laughs> like, quiet. Because my God, I mean, maybe I should vacuum my old PlayStation. I'm not sure. But, uh, <laughs> no one's ever told me to do that before. I've never had to remove a side panel. Um, <laughs> so I haven't. But the, the point I was I was curious about or or wanted to make was when when PlayStation did those semi antagonistic slash passive aggressive videos about, oh, here's how you share. I feel like those were more I want to say culturally, but that's not really the word I'm looking for. Communally accepted um, by gamers because I felt Xbox had sort of tripped out of the gate on its own Mm -hmm. and was already kind of flailing a little bit and unsure of what it was doing. And everybody. okay, I'm we're all kind of mean. Let's just be (laughs) real about it. We all do enjoy a good laugh at somebody who's kind of (sighs) fucking it up already. And so like that was kind of what it worked well in that sense. But PlayStation 5, I don't think has done anything to really warrant that. And I think a lot of people are still very pro PlayStation, especially after this last generation. So Xbox attempting to take hits at them is never going to come across well. It just looks like Pepsi trying to take a shot at Coke. Right. Mm, Pepsi. Yeah. It's like, yo, like Pepsi, you, you clearly have an audience of dedicated fans and people love your product, but you do not have the worldwide domination that Coke does. And maybe you just say, we're cool with being second. Maybe our domination of the soda market will come. But until then, <laughs> until then, how about we just say, like, we're cool and coexisting? Yeah. It's not only that, but yeah, like, you can be something slightly different. Even if basically your products are the same, you can have a different tone. You can have a different brand. And lean into those things versus trying to take shots at the other person. I think. Ooh, wait, sorry to interrupt you. Keep ooh, talking, but heat ooh, sink, everybody. Look at those. Look at that <laughs> copper. Look at that ooh, it's so sexy pretty. thing. I wonder how it'll tarnish over the years. It gets that like lovely green. Oh, God. <laughs> that patina. That I lovely. Is the yes, word patina for. is the word I'm looking for. Thank you. <laughs> I just nerds. scrubbed my copper kettle the other day. <laughs> Getting rid of that patina. I did oh get God. rid of that patina. Yeah, on a kettle, you don't patina. really want patina. No. But yeah. it also is like such a fine layer of copper that I've scrubbed part of it off at this point already. It's bullshit. Well, no. Wow. Sorry Anyways. for your loss. Apologies for interrupting you for heat sink, but I thought it was. <laughs> no, the heat sink was very pretty, actually. I was mighty impressed with it. All right, shall we? Anywho, if you guys want to watch the full video, the PlayStation blog or the PlayStation YouTube channel has it. And there are plenty of people who have deep dived into every piece, every piece, every piece and component that was tore out of that PS5. I will say I wouldn't necessarily judge the size of it based on that video either, just because perspective is everything. And um, we don't know, first of all like the height of that person or the size of that person. So like, and that or the relation to the camera, we don't know how the camera was set. So yes, in that video, it does look kind of comically large, but I th- feel like that could just be a play of the camera. I feel like it is going to be be. And I'm not saying it's not, I'm just saying you cannot 100% say sure. Cause like there were definitely videos. Remember, perspective wise you guys would always make me sit in the weirdest seat because you're like you're the smallest yes, so you're gonna look the true. largest is it over there yeah it's true she's absolutely <laughs> that's right. true in the old studio with the way that we kind of were in a little bit of a horseshoe shape with the way that we had to sit because the space was so tight whoever was on the farthest end always just looked bigger they yeah. weren't 
bigger. They just looked bigger because of camera perspective. And so we're like, Snymer, you're the tiniest. <laughs> I had to you sit have over to there. sit there. So if you're curious, I got here the most unflattering angle. are the measurements of the PlayStation 5. It is oh, yes. 15 and a half inches tall, mm. 10 inches deep, and mm. 4 inches wide. Wait, did you say 15 and a half inches tall? 15.4 yes. inches tall. Sorry, I exaggerated so my, my by My computer 10. is 13 inches. Yeah, so give that baby two more inches and you're in. That's what she said. Here-ish? <laughs> yeah, it's a tall boy. It's tall. Tall and thick, but that's fine. He's a big kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ain't no thing. You can make it fit. Chicken wing. Horizontally, vertically. I'm pretty sure people did the, the Ikea test and that it does not fit in one of the Ikea cubes. That's mm, as much um, as I've seen. Yeah, I, those things are like 10 by 10 or something, right? Yeah, they? they're pretty tight. They're not that big. Weren't they originally designed to fit records and then they made them smaller and a bunch of people around the world got very upset? <laughs> that sounds correct. Yeah. That was like me when I stupidly, I made that custom console and I was like, maybe, I mean, I did not design it for records, but then I tried to put them in there. I was like, no, nah, I didn't, I didn't measure this for this. <laughs> this does not work. <laughs> Your vinyl's going to have to go somewhere Vinyls else. Vinyls are on the top bookshelf. It's fine. <laughs> Um, let's talk a little bit more about the PS5 before we move on. So the next story is PlayStation trophy levels getting updated. Confirmed to transfer to PS5. Do you want to read this one? I did. I said I wanted to read it before we started the show. Boom. There you go. And so now I'm going to read it. <laughs> she already gave you the headline. I'm so excited. That so happening. now I'm going to read you the meat. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> All right. Sony, everybody, is changing up its PlayStation trophy system a little bit by increasing the trophy level range from its current 1 to 100 to one, two, oh my God, 999. What? Woof. Uh, and it has confirmed that all previous trophies will carry over to the PS5, just as they have for previous console generations. If they didn't, I swear to God, there would have been a revolt. So good <laughs> job. Um, as detailed on the PlayStation blog, this update will be out starting, quote, later tonight in North America and tomorrow in Europe. And your trophy level will be automatically remapped to a new level within this new range based on the trophies you've earned to date. Wait, does that mean your trophies will get smaller? Uh, so if your current trophy level is 12, for example, oh, wait, no, it will jump. Oh, it goes up. That's <laughs> the numbers go up. For example, it will now jump up to somewhere in the low 200s. The exact level will depend on the number of number and grades of trophies you've acquired. Also, there will be no changes to the trophies already earned or trophy information, such as unlock requirements. In addition to the change to trophy levels, there will also be a uh, new trophy levels calculation system that is more optimized and rewarding. Early levels will be easier to progress through and levels will increase more consistently. Furthermore, platinum trophies will be worth more, making them even more valuable than before. The trophy level icon on PlayStation 5 as well as the PlayStation app at a later date will also be getting an upgrade. Currently, the trophies icon is a single star, but soon there will be more variants and ways to show off your accomplish accomplishments. Whoops. Mm. Uh, and then there, I mean, it's an image that I can't read to you because... That's not how images work, but there are pretty <laughs> pictures here and um, essentially go check out your trophies and see if you've bumped up to something that sounds way cooler than <laughs> mine is like 10 or 12 or something. I don't know. I have no um, so now apparently is. I'll be somewhere in the low 200s. Oh, hey. Yeah, hey. neat. Yeah. Inflation, everybody. That's how it works. You gotta <laughs> love it. Appreciate it. You know, I don't care about this at all. But Same. No. If it, nope. I did, but like I am glad that I got those few platinums that I have. Yeah. I did sound shapes on every platform. No, I know this oh, is wow. a huge deal to a lot of people. To that, I am very happy and excited for you. I've never been a trophy hunter or chivo chaser or whatever those terms are, <laughs> but you know, you do Chivos. you, baby girls and baby boys. You do you. Yeah, I was there briefly, very briefly. Thank God it was brief. 
Um, because I don't, God, I don't know who I would be. That's today. what she said. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm, you know, I'm glad that I fall in and out of things fairly quickly. Wow. <laughs> Keep going, Sam. Keep going. Oz. You're on a roll, baby. Okay. Rock and fucking roll. Let's go, Andrea. <laughs> well, on that note, let's move on to our next story. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Gains is brought to you by Tile. We all know someone who is constantly losing their stuff. If it's you, you're not alone. Spoilers, it's me. <laughs> the average person weighs 15 minutes a day trying to find their stuff. Honestly, I'm shocked. That's not as much time as I thought because I waste far more time looking for my stuff. But thankfully, now I've got Tile in my life. If you're like me and you're constantly misplacing your keys, your wallet, your cell phone, and you've never considered getting Tile for your life, well, I have some news for you. It's all changed because Tile is here to help you. Tile is a Bluetooth device that helps you keep track of your stuff. It comes in sleek and compact sizes that can attach to your keys, fit in your wallet like a credit card, or you can also use it on personal bags. There's even a Tile sticker that you can put on your remote control for when it inevitably is going to end up under the couch or between the cushions. So you might be wondering, how does Tile work? All you have to do is download the free Tile app to your phone. If you've misplaced or can't find something, just open the app and tap find. Tile will ring your device, leading you right to your stuff. Now, here's something that can be super handy and helpful. You're like, but Andrea, what if it's my phone that I've lost and I need to find my phone? Well, if you know where your device is that has your Tile on it, good news, you can find that device Hit the tile and then boom, it's going to ring your phone, right? Listen, I, I thought that this was genius too because the first time I heard about tile, I was like, but I lose my phone constantly, but I don't lose my keys constantly. So I, if I know where my keys are, boom, I can find my phone, right? It's genius. And something that's also super handy and helpful is that if you can't find your phone because your phone is on silent, Tile will supersede your silence settings and ring anyway, which of course is incredibly helpful. Plus, did I mention that Tile comes in super fun colors? They have limited editions also available that you can get in fun prints. I personally got the Malibu Sunset print because now that I'm back in Los Angeles, it had a very kind of LA vibe and I love it, but they have lots of different styles to choose from if you want to really customize and personalize the thing that is going to be attached to your device or be in your wallet. So if you guys are thinking, boy, I could really use some help not losing my devices, then you want to take advantage of our special offer. Get a limited edition tile for yourself and everyone who's always losing their stuff by going to tile.com slash what's good to shop the limited edition collection right now. That's T-I-L-E dot com slash what's good for fun, one of a kind, exclusive designs. And you might want to head there sooner than you think because the real Really cool ones go super fast and you don't want to miss out on your opportunity to get one. Get yours today at tile.com slash what's good. Brittany, do you want to read this story? Or do you want to be read this story? Mm. I want to be read this story like a in bedtime a sultry, story. sultry voice that Reek can muster. Okay, I got Ooh. you. I was thinking the exact same thing. All right. Um, I'm going to us. probably going to slay a couple of these names in a bad That's way. Good. Better you. Okay. Brit's here to help you. All right. All right, Resident Evil Reboot. We have 
Kaya Scodelario, Robbie Amell, Hannah John Kamen, Neil McDonough, and more to star in the origin story adaptation. And this comes from Deadline. Um, and then I think we have a link to the cast of the photos we can show. Yes, I will pull those up. I know Sweet. who Robbie Amell is. Yeah, we know that guy. So Constantine Film I mean, I don't has set in motion a new adaptation to add the ever-expanding to add to that never ever expanding Resident Evil movie franchise. Constantine and writer-director Johannes Roberts said Tuesday that they have conceived an official origin story adaptation with faithful ties to the Capcom's classic survival horror games. This story is set in 1998 on a fateful night in Raccoon City. Starring the roles of the iconic game characters will be Maze Runner's Kaya Scodelario as Claire Redfield, alongside Hannah John Kamen uh, from Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, as Jill Valentine, Robbie Amell from Upload as Chris Redfield, and Tom Hopper from the Umbrella, Umbrella Academy as Albert Wesker, Avon Jogia from Zombieland Double Tap as Leon S. Kennedy, and Neil McDonough from Yellowstone as William Birkin. Quote, With this movie, I really wanted to go back to the original first two games and recreate the terrifying, visceral experience I had when I first played them, whilst at the same time telling a grounded human story about a small, dying American town that feels both relatable and relevant to today's audiences. And this is from Roberts, who is a filmmaker behind the shark thriller 47 Meters Down and its sequel. Franchise producer Robert Kolzer said, After a dozen games, six live-action movies, and hundreds of pages of fan fiction, we felt compelled to return to the year 1998 to explore the secrets hidden in the walls of the Spencer Mansion and Raccoon City. How's Britt doing? Is she okay? Are you ready to party like it's 1998? <laughs> Hold on. Wait for it. Yeah, I think she is. That's Wait a, that's how I'm ready to party. <laughs> I'm just ready to party. Like yeah. So got a lot of questions about this, but I'll kick it off from Mr. Yasman. He asks, "What do you think about the cast of the new film, and are you worried about the film being directed by the director of Forty Seven Meters Down, which I've heard aren't good films? Hmm. I like the cast, I've but I've seen those. Have you? No, I haven't. This is Mr. Yasman." I like the cast, but main problem besides the director and the production company is that it looks like they're going to combine the first two games into one film, and I don't know if I'm going to trust the filmmakers that they are mm. going to handle this, do the story justice. Mr. Yasman and I also talked about the new the Yakuza movie. He has more of a pessimistic point of view than I do, but Mr. Yasman, I will say what I said to you about that. Just manage your expectations and keep an open mind. So You are one of the most positive of the bunch here. Also. Yeah, yeah you know, I got it. Someone has to be. It's a, it's a good thing about you. Good Thank Good quality. Thank you, Steimer. Appreciate that. Some sugar and some salt. Good combination. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. So what's exciting about this, if you look through each paragraph, there's something exciting in all of it. It's an an official origin story adaptation with faithful ties to Capcom's classic survival horror games. You take that combined with we want to explore the secrets hidden in the walls of the Spencer Mansion and Raccoon City and the fact that we have Chris, Claire, Leon, Jill, Albert, Wesker and William Birkin. So all those characters are from Resident Evil 1 through 3. The where it gets kind of weird though is that Resident Evil 1 takes place about 2 months before Resident Evil 2 and 3. We're going to get in the weeds here. So Resident okay. Evil 2 yeah, and 3. I remember you saying that actually. Yeah. yeah. So Resident Evil 2 and 3 essentially take place on the same day. There's a lot of crossover there. Um 
essentially. And Resident Evil 1 is two months before all of that. So the fact that it sounds like they're going to be combining this, because when he says the secret's hidden in the walls of the Spencer Mansion, that is the primary setting for Resident Evil 1. So I understand the concern where it sounds like they're going to be trying to combine the storylines, which doesn't make a lot of sense if you look at it from the canon perspective, but it does sound like this is an origin story adaptation with Faithful Ties. So things are probably going to get a little weird because Jill is also in Resident Evil 1 and she's also in Resident Evil 3. And obviously she has very different roles in both of those games. So Mm -hmm. how they're going to like make this work, I have no idea, but I think it's just another cool Resident Evil thing to be excited about that we have coming up. We have the Netflix. should be a consultant on it. I think I should too. (laughs) I have thoughts and opinions about this franchise. You can hire me. Just pay me She's and listen to Buffalo the Wings. Biggest understatement I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like, because I'm when you're talking about timelines, I'm like, I don't know, maybe they can make it work. It seems fine, and then you're like, but then she plays a different role. I'm like, oh, maybe I don't know. I yeah, don't know. no, it, it, it's Brittany. She will tell you because Resident Evil One is where they first kind of explore these strange disappearances and gruesome murders, and that's when the Stars team discovers what's actually Stars. happening in the Spencer Estate, and then two months later is when the outbreak actually hits Raccoon City because. Raccoon City is on the outskirts of the mansion. Anyway, the timeline's all wonky. Unless they do a thing where it's like the first 20 minutes is telling the story and then it goes into here, blah, blah, blah. Who knows? But like I said, you know, we have the Resident Evil CG film. We have the live action film with Wesker's Daughters. And we have Resident Evil Village coming out. So, hey, it's exciting. It's a good time. So much. I'm a big fan of Robbie. (laughs) I don't know who any of those people are. So I also got a lot of questions like from, is it Javin Mather? I hope it's Javin Havin. What would Brit's dreamcasting be for a Resident Evil movie or series? I don't know. I don't watch movies. Everyone here knows that. <laughs> I couldn't tell you one actor from another. So I don't have like That's a dream true. team. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. It's but, okay if you don't know. It's okay to just yeah. say, you know what? Let me think about that and get back to you, Jack. Oh, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to get back to you. I'm just not going to. I'm not going to because it would be a waste of everyone's time. Figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or that. Yeah. And then Nova asks, do you feel a tinge of excitement after the cast and story reveal of her Resident Evil movie reboot? To me, it actually feels like they got people on the project who actually care about the game story and setting. And yeah, obviously, I'm excited, obviously. And like you said, it is good to know that the franchise producer said that they did play the games. Or was it the director? One of them played the games. So yeah, while I think the other Resident Evil films were fine, I mean, again, set proper expectations, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do now that they're actually sticking to canon. To a storyline. Yeah, 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 yeah. And how it's going to translate over. Very cool. Get excited. Choo-choo hype train. Choo-choo. Hype, 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 hype. That leads us to the end of our news segment. And for funsies, we thought it'd be cool to just kind of wrap up with a couple of quick hit news items that happen to be all Nintendo related. Nintendo. Mm. So if you guys missed it, earlier this week, a drop for the Super Mario line on Black Milk went live. And we talked about this when they announced it. And if you're into fashion of the femme variety. Oh, I like the star dress. Yeah, they have a lot of cute stuff that you can check out. But they also announced the Animal Crossing collab which is going to be happening so this is super fun as well so if you guys want to showcase your love for either animal crossing or super mario brothers you may want to check out the black milk line so cute and there was also 
two more announcements. Super Nintendo World is going to be happening in 2021. Wow. Um, so this is an old trailer for Super Nintendo World. Obviously, this is going to be debuting in Japan. There's one supposed to be happening at Universal Studios in Orlando. But because of the COVID-19 pandemic, it has been delayed worldwide. But what they did today was confirm that they're like, come hell or high water, <laughs> we're going to open in 2021. And they revealed some of the food items that you're going to be able to try when you go to Super Nintendo World. So let me Ooh, show you guys. that pink tool dress? The dress I mean, if they sold that dress in a shop. <laughs> in that black you know, milk shop? Yeah, so much of, of that stuff is capped already. Like, I just noticed I the... The two things I got are already capped. The the pre the pre sale was yeah. capped, but you yeah. can still or you can still order those things in select sizes. Yeah. Um, but the are food those tacos. I don't honestly know those. Okay, know so what, what these... those are? Those are pancake sandwiches. What? <sighs> yeah, yeah, what? yeah. So we're looking at some <clears throat> photos, ladies and gentlemen, of some of the themed cafes and other stores they're going to be having. And yeah, some of the food they're showcasing are these. Mario and Luigi pancake sandwiches and the pancakes are like they the look hats. like tacos but filled with whipped cream yeah yeah and the taco oh shells God. are their hats one has an M one has an L one's red one's green who would have said and Mario's I has like I want these photos to be bigger I apologize to everybody watching Mario's um, pancake sandwich has strawberries and cream and it says who's cap mm. that's a cappy joke Luigi says okie dokie and there's some okey-dokey. green fruit and cream I'm not sure what exactly is going on yeah I don't know what those fruits are there's if it's a super, apple or lime I'm, I'm yeah in, I'm I don't know it. a super mushroom drink in a tropical bottle and a mess Mustached fruit cream soda. Is it not alcoholic? Cups. That'd be great if it was. Bring just, your own flask to. to yeah, to hopefully. World. It just looks really cute, and the stores obviously look all Mario-y on the inside. All the chairs look like little toadstools, and I don't know. This is gonna be my happy place. I'm ready. We're definitely gonna have to do a What's Good Games field trip to Super oh. Nintendo World in Orlando when it finally opens. Please, go hundred percent. Yeah. Go away, never return. Go away, Rona. Yeah. No one likes you. <laughs> no one likes you, Rona. No we like all voted, you. and you're the worst. Get out of here, girl. <laughs> take a hint, okay? Yes. <sighs> if only Rona would take a hint. All yeah. right, our last piece of Nintendo news was this little news blurb that dropped this week about Nintendo Treehouse spotlighting Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, and then a little bit more info about Pikmin 3. Pikmin 3, the deluxe version... Hyrule Warriors. So Age of Calamity, is this an expansion? I didn't actually get a chance to watch this. This is the Nintendo and Koei Tecmo Warriors spinoff. So it's like Hyrule Warriors, but it's called Age of Calamity because it takes place 100 years before Breath of the Wild. Mm. So, yeah, so what's going to be really interesting about this game is it's going to show and deep dive into some of the... Um, characters and we're going to see like personal interactions and hear a little bit more about their backstory so that's why from a narrative perspective this is cool but the showcase today the nintendo treehouse showed urbosa's style of fighting it showed zelda it showed link fighting a little bit a uh, young impa it showed that there's going to be hidden koroks and that the weapons won't break they announced that the weapons won't Fuck. break in this game yes <laughs> and uh, showed a little bit about of the map and the weapon upgrade system and it actually looks really good I mean, I didn't like the first Hyrule Warriors primarily because the multiplayer was really bad. Someone had to play on the Wii U gamepad and someone could play on the TV. It was like the way they designed <laughs> it. Why they did that, I don't know. Nintendo go to Nintendo. 
But this looks really fun, and the gameplay looks great. And some of the uh, places that they visited, you get to see Lun Lun Ranch. You get to see all the locations, essentially, from Breath of the Wild before the shit hit the fan. So most of these villages are intact. The buildings aren't all destroyed. You get to see some fun throwbacks to games like an Ocarina of Time. Lun Lun Ranch, for example, you see the same buildings and the little sheds. And it's, it's it looks good. It looks fun. Look at Zelda kicking ass. Zelda out here... Making her keep, man. Yeah. Ooh, look at that. So she uses primarily her Sheikah Slate abilities, which every character has access to, but hers are a little bit more epic. Like her bomb, for example, is like a oh. walking bomb that spits out mini bombs, and it's pretty she cool. Yeah, yeah. I think this is going to be fun. This actually comes out November 20th, and Pikmin comes out October 30th. So these are two... I mean, I think this game's much bigger than Pikmin 3, personally. But yeah, Nintendo has some stuff up their sleeve, which is nice. It's interesting that they're choosing to focus on this game um, because I think a lot of people were hoping for an update on what's happening with Breath of the Wild 2. Not to say that we need like a full gameplay reveal or anything like that. Clearly, this game isn't going to be happening until 2021 at the earliest, but it would have been nice to get like a teaser or something in conjunction with this Hyrule Warriors announcement and... This is a little bit of a wah wah. The only thing we got when this game was announced, I feel like that was what a month ago, a few weeks ago, was they said, "Yeah, sorry, we know, we know what you <laughs> really want. Just please be patient." What you really, really want? Yeah, they, yeah. But so, we can't give that to you yet. So take yet. this other thing. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, I think this will be good. It'll be a little good tie over. It'll suffice. This is an appetizer to yeah, the main yeah. course. Exactly. Look at Urbosa kicking ass too. Oh, she got the hack and slash the lightning. Look at her little shield. She's like, this cute. Yeah. I will spin and kill you. Yep. <laughs> if you want to see the gameplay that we're referring to, of course, youtube.com slash what's good games, or you can go to the Nintendo YouTube account as well. But Britt, um, did you spend a lot of time with Hyrule Warriors? This doesn't typically feel like your style of game and mm. please tell me if i'm inaccurate there no you're not wrong no i played like i said a little bit of the first one back when it was on wii u but the problem with the wii u is this is the kind of game i think i could only play in multiplayer because it's just more entertaining to play yeah. with someone but yeah, someone yeah, had to play sure. on the wii u gamepad and then someone could play on the tv and so as you can imagine that didn't work very well jason was playing on the wii u gamepad because of course he was and i had the nice big shiny tv <laughs> but his, his uh, gameplay on he knows his, his role yeah, absolutely his uh, <laughs> gameplay on the game gamepad was really laggy it didn't look very good i mean it was the wii u gamepad right so i played it it was fun but the reason i'm more interested in this one is because of again it's going to expand on the story of breath of the wild we're going to get a deeper dive into characters like robosa and the relationship she had with zelda and zelda's relationship with these folks and that's i think where the the excitement comes from for me so yeah hips though oh yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. they don't lie you gotta do the you gotta do the booby dance thing she does. I can't she do that. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> difficult for most people. Yeah, Ray, you can do that. It's hard. It hurts my back. Like a, it hurts the middle back a lot. It requires you to have a little mass up there, which I personally don't have. It, it looks like you're, you're pulling just, it like, off. Gyrating to high heavens. Look at you. <laughs> yeah, no, it ain't working for me. Again, youtube.com slash what's good games. <laughs> You're missing out on some quality content if you've never checked out the video version of this podcast. But on that note, let's take our first break of the show. When we come back, we have a deep dive into the hands-on time that both Rihanna and myself got with Watch Dogs Legions. We'll get a little teaser preview from Brittany on Baldur's Gate 3. So stick with us. We'll be right back. 
All right. How is everybody doing? Everybody good? Good. <laughs> That's her husky. Her husky Sounds like a husky. I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. Should I get you a bottle of water? No. Okay, I won't. <laughs> How dare you? you? You know what? Fuck water. Who needs water? <laughs> everybody it's time for our weekly announcements and thankfully we don't have too many but brit lights off has been something freaking else oh man we've been playing some real freaking gems it started off with pacify five nights at freddy's phasmophobia was last week and who knows what's in store next monday ladies and gentlemen but if you want to watch 6 p.m twitch.tv slash what's good games on monday I mean, it's pretty fucking scary. <laughs> I was, How long do you guys play for? I'm curious. It depends on the game. We generally play a minimum of two hours. Ooh. We almost played for four hours this last week yeah. because we, I think we're trying to have success and get the most amount of dollars possible in, in Phasmophobia. But boy, that game doesn't feel like it's going to be scary, but it really, really was. It's all the atmosphere building in that game. And we, it, to our credit, Andrea, we did complete all the objectives. I mean, you died at the end, but you know. I died every time. Every yeah, time did. it was me. She did. Yeah, no, her sanity rip. wasn't as high as mine. But the good news is that we raised a little bit more for our friends at Able Gamers, and we look forward to doing some continued fundraising for them. If you guys did not know, we are helping our friend Steve Spawn reach his 40th birthday goal of $1 million raised. Our team goal for What's Good Games is $5,000. We're currently sneezing at 2600 which is very exciting. So I feel like I'm going to have to up the ante. I'm going to add in some rewards for the streams coming up. Ooh. And if you missed the announcement, we have confirmed our Monday, October 26th stream with Zombie Kills <gasps> and Dead by Daylight. Oh, yes. oh snap. So, okay. Bri, if you want to get in on that action, you let me know. Um, you can do it. Uh, you think about it. it. I'll think Look, about I it. Look, I did a whole season of Lights Off. <laughs> I'll get back to you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, because you guys have been wanting to pull me. You're like, it's after work. It's 6 p.m., whatever, on a Monday. And I'm like... You're gonna need to. You're gonna need to pitch me on the game itself. How about <laughs> I bribe you with Mario ice cream cake? Mm. Oh, that would do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The cold this stone is cake. Not bad, because the cold might counteract the sweat. The sweating. <laughs> exactly. You get sweaty. I feed you ice cream cake. Boom. <laughs> That's such a stupid idea. The I love scared, it. The <laughs> more scared you get, the more, more ice cake. cream cake you get to eat. And yeah. you're burning the calories. You know what? So. I. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yes. Right? Like, I'm burning Good job. calories. Good job, Andrea. You scared. did it. You did exactly. it. Exactly. So just get fat with me. <laughs> Join us. Twitch.tv slash What's Good Games. Hit that follow button. And don't forget, if you have Amazon Prime, you have Prime Gaming. And you can use that free sub every month for What's Good Games. Welcome back, everybody. It's the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast, where we talk about what we've been playing. And this week, it is brought to you by Upstart. During these economically turbulent times, everyone is looking for a way to feel more financially secure. So if you're still needlessly throwing money every month at high-interest credit card debt... 
It's time that you checked out Upstart, the revolutionary online lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score. Now is the time to find out just how low your Upstart rate can be to help you pay off those high interest credit card debts that you've been hanging on to. Unlike other lenders, Upstart can reward you based on your education, your job history, and the form of a smarter rate. And you don't even need a degree or a diploma to apply. Upstart lets you skip going to the bank because it's completely online, so you know you'll feel safe when you check out their rates. They offer loans from $1,000 to $50,000, so you can consolidate your debt into one easy fixed rate payment. Upstart makes it fast and simple to check your rates. Since it's just a soft pull, it's not going to affect your credit score because we know that a lot of times people are concerned about that, so you don't have to worry about going to Upstart. The hard pull, though, will happen if your rate is accepted and you decide to proceed with your application. Them's just the way that business works. The best part though, you guys, is that if your loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. So you can get to managing your money quickly. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards to meet their financial goals. Free yourself from the burden of high interest credit card debt and get back to using your money your way with Upstart. See why Upstart has a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot. That is crazy. Can we just talk for a second about the fact that they have a 4.9 out of 5 stars? That means a lot of people really like their services. You have to go to upstart.com slash what's good and you can find out how low your rate can be. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes and if you want to help support what we do here at What's Good Games, you need to go to upstart.com slash what's good. Your loan amount will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Not all applicants will qualify for the full amount. Last week, Rihanna and I had the opportunity to check out Watch Dogs Legion. Thank you to Ubisoft for inviting us to their online virtual preview event where we both got some hands-on time with the game. And... We sunk probably, what, four or five hours in with the game? Is that, yeah. about, is that about right? Yeah, it was a solid demo. Got a, got a lot of time with it. it and really, really, I wanted really to deaf. talk to you guys a little bit about what was different from what we saw this time from what we saw last time. So, Reed, let's start with you because yeah. I spoke a lot about my previous hands-on experience with Watch Dogs and how much I really liked it. So I'm going to pull up some of my B-roll, but okay. we're going to listen to your thoughts. So... Yeah. What did you think about your time with Watch Dogs? So this was my first time getting hands-on with Watch Dogs Legion, so <clears throat> I may have a slightly different take, but uh, the way the, the experience worked is we started off with the beginning of the storyline where we are playing as, I forget his name, an agent, and he's being called to answer uh, this really specific I don't want to give out too much. He, he's being called to do some secret agent stuff. And then, mm -hmm. oops, something goes wrong. And we need to use some other people to help fight this problem. So, again, without giving too much of the story away, it's really uh, a typical video game intro where you, you start off with all the bells and whistles. And then they, they bring you back down to base level. And you have to learn how to do everything with a new character. And what I really loved was, A, the customization. Ridiculous amount of customization. I played... Um, and my playthrough as a black woman with um, a short curly fro, which, as you know, is super identifiable for me. And she had the bomb outfit and really cool glasses. And I immediately loved watching this character run around the world and just do crazy stuff. 
And the first mission that I did was actually a side quest where I got to go into a fighting ring and beat up a bunch of people in order to recruit the the top tier fighter. And what was interesting about these fighting challenges as you're going out to recruit more people to join your team is that once you get to the the final fighter, they have some kind of quirk. Either they they get up a second round and they're stronger, or in my case, they actually call in three additional fighters to take you on once they've been downed. And at, because I beat them, because I was actually pretty good at the fighting stuff, I got to recruit yeah. all four of them at the same time. So it's really interesting because there's a lot of opportunities to play with the recruiting mechanics, depending on who you interact with and how you do during those challenges that sort of throw you a curveball. And it was really unexpected um, because we've all played open world games. We've all done things that where we're recruiting folks to our party. But this was an interesting twist. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they played with that expectation in other ways as well. The, the other thing that I really loved about my playthrough in particular is that I did an entire section playing as a granny. And yes, Golden Girls playthrough. <laughs> Yay, yeah. granny squad. Granny so squad. It was, it was great because, as you know, each type of character has a different set of attributes, right? If you play as a construction yeah. worker, they have access to different areas. Like, they can walk on construction sites and not be flagged as suspicious, for instance. But playing as the granny... Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> playing as the granny, I had a few disadvantages that were really Uh-oh. fun to work around. So first of all, she can't run. Yeah. She, she was real slow. Yeah. We were near um, hips hurt. Yeah, she was, you know, she had on a little orthopedics, you know, it was tough. Um, but she could parkour a little and but not yeah. over everything. So there was one particular sure. moment where I had to climb something and like get an vantage point in order to, I think, sabotage a banner in order to put the, you know, our paraphernalia and our propaganda over the the big bads proper propaganda and the way i had to work around her uh lack of parkour skills was really interesting and my particular solve was i used one of the spider bots and actually threw it to the place where i needed to go rather than having her jump there but it is possible that you would unlock a drone or some other navigation attack uh, or you would improve your hacking skills so you can do it from a remote distance and and it's interesting because there's a lot of problem solving yeah that's exactly it the mm. the little spider bot that spider I use. Bot, spider, spider bot. Spider bot. Um, whatever a spider bot does. <laughs> so it's interesting because it seems as though, yes, there are certain advantages to playing certain types of characters for different story missions or even side missions, but there's always a way. And it kind of dug into that puzzle solving itch that I have with a lot of games where it's now my goal to play almost every mission with the least optimal type of character just oh. to see how to do it. And um, it's making the game more and more interesting to me the more I play it. So I, I'm really looking forward to getting another hands-on session with it. Oh, that's an interesting take. You want to play the least optimal character. Just to see how I can do it. You know? No, that's that's fair. I admire you. I'd be like, nope, beef me up. I <laughs> also, go I took out like five squads of policemen with that granny. Fuck yeah, you did. <laughs> it was like great. It would, just, it would feel more like an accomplishment when you successfully take things down and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? Yeah. I may be older, but I'm not out. I can and do I it. I still wreak havoc on this town and do what I got to do. And maybe I can't do it physically myself, but I've got this little robot friend <laughs> who will do it for me. 
Yeah, there's there seems to be a lot of robot potential. Um, the the demo leader that I was actually working with mentioned that there are some pretty wackadoodle characters you can recruit. One being a beekeeper who has a fleet <gasps> of bees that can electrocute Real bees? people. Electrocute or like fake bees, like they're like electronic bees. I don't know if they're like electronic bees or if they're bees with some sort of like electromagnetism. Oh, fuck that shit! Okay, they no, like they I like know. some genetic like, stuff going on. Don't have electromagnetic powers. That's, if they did, I would true. not live on. It's probably an army of robot bees. <laughs> like I would nope out of Earth real quick. <laughs> I don't really I mean, need a reason, but there's one. In I real life, that, that sounds awful. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's real. Maybe maybe there's somewhere where there's a hive with electromagnetic. Here's bees. the thing: at this point, anything is possible in 2020. Ain't that there the are murder hornets. Those exist, but they sadly it's not yes. electromagnetic. No sort of stuff. Well, in the game, it sounds cool. In real life, I would I would prefer yeah. that would to not be. So that's like a a Black Mirror episode. I think they actually have bees like that that are <laughs> fake bees that are. Yeah, I'm sure it's bees. in a Michael Crichton novel somewhere. Yeah, well, listen, I'm super glad that we had this conversation about bees, but I think what the real the real important <laughs> no, part that you touched on <laughs> is that there's a bunch of different types of characters, right? So some of my gameplay that we're seeing on screen again at youtube.com slash what's good games um, looks at individual characters. And so this is what I was mentioning the last time I played the game about how I think this is probably the most ambitious game that we've ever seen from Ubisoft Studios is that you can literally look at any NPC in the world and you can have these conversations like my character here is like you know what? I saw that he was a hacker. So I was like, how about I try to recruit you? And then you talk to them and you get to have a one-on-one with them. You get to find out a little bit about their life and then you'll get a mission that you need to go on that you have to fulfill in order to add them to your team. And what I think is really phenomenal about that is that it really allows you to have a 100% unique playthrough for you and very few games that have ever existed can say that your playthrough is unique. A lot of them have a lot of fancy marketing talk around the way that the games all differ, but this game is truly going to be 100% your experience because you're going to recruit completely random people, right? And I think it's going to be interesting to have those water cooler moments after the game comes out, like who was on your team? What kind of missions did you do? What kind of people did you recruit? Because there's obviously some big archetypes like Rihanna mentioned. The construction worker is one of the more popular ones because you need them for specific missions. Um, and Simer's doing the YMCA dance. I mean, construction <laughs> worker, how could I not do the YMCA dance? YMCA. You know, you got that. You got the golden. Okay, you've got the YMCA. You got the golden girl. What else you got? Um, so there's Beekeeper. people like so so let me see if I can back up. Um, so you can see here as I'm like highlighting oh. over people, you can see what they're benefits mm-hmm. are what some of their pros and cons are the type of person that they'll be if they'll be helpful for your team or not you really want to decide like do i want to round out rounded up team you know do i want people that are going to be more you know sneaky and stealth savvy <laughs> or maybe i want to go with a, a, a squad that is more like brute force and has better guns and perks that you know, are beneficial in firefights. And you Mm -hmm. really kind of have to decide for yourself, like what kind of mission and what kind of style of dead sec operative you want to, you want to be. But I think that, sorry, go ahead, Brittany. Question. If you are looking for a specific kind of character, is there any way to filter where they'll be at? Or do you just have to kind of explore the big wide world and try to find them? I didn't see a filter of any kind, unfortunately. Like they look like they're hobbling. 
I'll go find them. <laughs> yeah, that's my. I mean, you could spot a character. granny pretty easily. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, the I think construction you do worker have to maybe kinda... they'll have the helmet on to help you. Um, but anybody yeah. else, you yeah. might just need to scan them. Look at this. I guess boat. so. Oh yeah, oh. I picked up this boat and just like went across the river that's and a was fucking like, fancy ass boat. But this is what's so exciting to me about this game. It's like. Stealing Obvi- shit? No, it's just <laughs> yes. this idea that I was running across the river and I can just jump in this boat and move across. And I know that there's a lot of open world games that have done that, but I can't impress upon you guys enough just how wild it is the amount of assets that are being loaded into the game that fully are loaded in. Like I wasn't experiencing like popping or tearing or anything like that. And I cannot wait to see how this game performs on the next-gen consoles or on Ooh, PC sheesh, yeah. and really kind of take a look at it. But, okay, so I did this slow pan. So the River Thames. So my gameplay now map. at YouTube.com slash What's Good Games is showing the map. So it's, I intentionally this, did a slow slow pan to show you guys that, like, uh, my one criticism from my playtime before was that there was still too much map fatigue. There's too much yes. on the map. There's too many icons. And I intentionally did a slow pan in my gameplay <laughs> to show everybody that like, gosh darn it, I really am excited about this game, but why? But why so are you giving much. me so many things to do? Wait, can we I mean, find, because you had the city of Westminster up there. Can we find yeah. the place we did our meet and greet at? <laughs> Probably. Oh my gosh, maybe? <gasps> it, it was in Westminster, yeah? Yeah, I'm trying to like scroll, but I'm trying to scroll back on my gameplay Like. Here. I do That's think this game map. will be fun, but even you just scrolling around looking at that map, I instantly was, I felt a s- tiny bit of dread, <laughs> existential yeah. dread. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, oh, I will say, I played darts the first thing that I did once I got out of the, out of the, what is it, the meeting room, and I nailed it first try. Hell yeah, 100%. you did. So you're a badass. Um, dude, well, then maybe you don't need to judge me for winning in 19 throws, okay? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was really good. That was, that was pretty good. But no, um, I will say about the map, the the subway system is your fast travel. So once you've cleared the fog of war and you find a subway, you can fast travel through certain points, which does help a little bit. Traversal is not bad. You can get into any vehicle. Um, The tank is my favorite. Second favorite (laughs) is the Vespa. And um, running around and causing havoc in in any of the vehicles is a lot of fun. The vehicles feel very unique and different from one another. And uh, the driving mechanics are pretty solid. The the shooting is pretty solid, too. Honestly, I felt it, it was fairly tight. Um, especially since shooting is not the main way that you're going to fight in this game, or at least not the main way you'll complete your objectives. It's very impressed with that. But moving around the city didn't feel like it took very long. So it is big, but it is tr- easily traversed. Even on foot and using fast travels, Ooh. it mm. it was only maybe like less than a minute to get to any objective that I needed to in my short gameplay. It does look really pretty. Another question I have, if it's not tree fatigue, it's city fatigue. Yeah, sure. when you're traveling the city, is it just a lot of big old gray both. buildings? I'm sorry. I you have been fatigued by every environment that exists on this planet. Samir, I don't want to be in a forest and I don't want to be trapped in a city. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be in a fucking desert? I think that's I the only be other option. I want to be fucking Bora Bora on a tropical ass beach with a crystal blue water and the hey, white trees. Right. Like, a beach can have trees. They're just palm trees. <laughs> No, palm trees are different than fir trees, Steimer. They okay. are different. This is correct. There's a different vibe. Different vibe, you know? So you want your Christmas trees with like, you want your Christmas tree to be a palm tree with some fucking Fuck Christmas yeah. lights in those things. and a Like little those Corona commercials. Corona, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think it's the Corona commercials. Not the coronavirus, the Corona beer where they yeah, always have corona the palm the tree. And then, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Anyway, the city was interesting to look at a lot. Do you like London? Yes or no? Yeah, I mean, it looks like 
England. It's London, I'm pretty sure. It's <laughs> a lot of okay, it so is what? very true to the real London that exists in 2020. And I think that's going to be exciting for people who either live in the UK or have visited London, being able to recognize some of the very big landmarks that are there. But of course, you know, it's a very urban, dense environment. And I think the benefit and hindrance kind of equally is that it is urban and dense so on one hand there's a lot to look at on the other hand there's a fucking lot to look at you know what i mean so it gets a little it gets a little exhausting i did want to talk a little bit about some of the upgrade <laughs> systems i'm sorry but britney's fucking water bottle is so <laughs> so large ridiculous it's comically huge it's yeah bigger than your head Stay it's, hydrated, friends. It's good for you. But it yeah, is. you don't need you don't need the water bottle to be that big. If just stay hydrated. If you're me, you need it. You need it Sometimes to be that big. You need the mental stimulus of this water bottle is as big as I need it to be to show me that I have to drink that much water. Uh, yep, two that's of me. those feels like an awful lot. That's anyway, my fault. Don't shame anyway. Brittany and for how much water. I'm she not drinks. shaming her. No, I'm saying that takes a lot of mental fortitude to be look at that giant ass container and think that you can do that twice a day. Mm. I pee a lot. She does. Yeah. My. Toilet paper budget has been grateful for the <laughs> pandemic, I just have to say. <laughs> oh anywho, anywho, I was oh. talking about something Some else that happens. Something More else tools. that I was <laughs> gadgets. <laughs> something else that I wanted to mention was the gadgets and the upgrades, because clearly the gadgets are a big part of the Watchdogs franchise and always have been. And while I appreciate that Ree was like, hey, I really liked the gunplay. The gadgets are clearly the star here because the idea mm -hmm. is that you're not really supposed to be shooting a bunch of people up. You're supposed to be stealthing and sneaking your way in with all of your high-tech gadgets because you're supposed to be a snazzy hacker, right? And so there's a, really, a lot of really fun gadgets that you can use. And the way that they've done the gadget system this time around, they've, you know, much like past games, they're tying it to these points that you get by collecting them in world. But there's expanded options this time. And I really like that because it allows each individual player to say, hey, I want to play this way. So one of the things that I upgraded first was the ability to cloak all of the bodies that I knock out, which is great. Because <laughs> when you take a body down and you knock somebody out, even if you do it non-lethally, somebody could There's stumble across it. There's still a body there. Yeah, yeah like, so it's hey. called the shroud ability. So when you unlock the shroud ability, you basically like cloak their their body as it's like passed out on the ground. And I was like, yes, this is Take a, a nap into the abyss. Yeah, oh pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that they're really giving people a bunch of tools to customize their experience, whether it's the gadgets you unlock, the way you customize the look and feel of your character, who you recruit to be on your team, and ultimately how much of the open world you explore and how many of the burrows that you set free. I love that they are thinking about individual experience my critique that I've always had with this game remains the same is that I don't think they've edited it down enough. I don't think they've made it a concise enough experience. I think that they got very excited about all of their own ideas of which there are many very good ones, but they need to edit it down to make it more cohesive. Cause I think what we get to in this day and age is something I suffer from a lot analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. There are yeah. so many things for me to choose from that I cannot choose. It's fair. No, just yeah. me. I'm one. No, no, no you're, not. Yeah. you're definitely We're not. Naughty. You are not an island. We're not. This is a thing that I off like even with 
with smaller ish games like Ghost of Tsushima that we just played. I was I didn't yeah. do everything in that map because I looked at it and I was like, nope. <laughs> like, where do I start? That's too to many do. sword kits, there's, sir. There's too, too many, many. Things for me to do, <laughs> and like I technically probably have time for this, but I don't have the mental capacity for it. Totally, and that's the difference. And I think I think that is definitely my worry with this game, and not just this game, but any major open world games i even am slightly worried about this with cyberpunk yeah um, yes just absolutely I, I i do worry about getting in there and just feeling overwhelmed and feeling like but I, I think that's where the game really does need to pull you in in a way where you stop thinking you stop overthinking and you just start mm-hmm. playing and you enjoy and you run around and you do whatever you feel like doing in that moment and like try yeah. to enjoy being present versus looking at the game like a checklist but i do think that's yeah. actually difficult for a lot of open world games to do mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i 100 percent agree 100 percent as well we have a question from benjamin pin did you ladies pay any attention to the music at all because we have a question about that so we actually had to turn the music options off in our playthrough yeah. in order to make uh. sure that we didn't trigger any content id and because it's licensed also yes licensed so mm-hmm. I, I apologize they were not able to answer your question but there are a lot of really customizable things but uh britney go ahead and, and read the question anyway and then i'll finish my thought okay what are your impressions on the music in watchdog legions i really enjoy the music playing in the car radios and watchdogs too and still have a bunch of those tracks on my spotify playlist i'm hoping legion will have some bangers yeah so cool. there's even more licensed stuff this time around, but as I mentioned, because we wanted to make sure that we weren't going to be having any content ID options, even though we aren't showing you guys any of the sound in the in the clips that we have playing, they just recommended when we did our, our capture to just turn it off just for safety's mm-hmm. sake. Yeah. So hopefully you can have some fun discovery moments for those. But I do want to say when Ree was talking about customization, London is a melting pot much in the way that New York City is. And what was really a nice touch is that when you go to different vendors around the city, so whether they're clothing vendors or vendors that have other kinds of accessories that you can customize your characters with, they all have a very specific vibe and feel. And one of the vendors that I found was all Indian-inspired clothing, which I thought was really cool because obviously the Indian community in London is very vibrant. And I love that they took some of those cultural cues and said, hey, we want to really highlight some of the really big communities that exist in the London metro. And I think that there's a lot of cool tidbits to discover in Watch Dogs Legion in that manner. Um, final thoughts, just speaking to the analysis paralysis, because I definitely suffer from that. And it's actually what's turned me off from games like uh, a Witcher or a Cyberpunk is this game does very much feel like a game I don't play to complete. It feels like something that I turn on to run around and do some stuff single player. Again, I'll probably turn it into a puzzle game and try to make it as hard as possible <laughs> for myself. Um, and then just just walk away. Like, I don't have to finish a mission. I don't have to complete a storyline. Th- this this definitely pulled me in for the distraction factor and not necessarily for the completion factor. So if that's something that you think could vibe with you, I would say give this one a chance. I don't want to overlook the fact that the work the Watch Dogs team did, not only in building London, building a giant London with a ton of detail, but being able to recruit these players and have these individual characters all have stories is not to be overlooked. And on that note, I'm thinking that Watch Dogs Legion is one of the most ambitious games I've ever seen. 
on the level potentially of a Red Dead Redemption 2 as far as innovation in gameplay technique goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 when I, the minute that they ever announced this game, I was like, y'all are crazy. Randomly generated characters to be main features of your game. Like, fuck you. You have to have some really crafty engineers to pull this off. Yeah. Oh yeah. They did that. Yep. It just has to mean something. So we'll have to wait to see where the narrative goes. We got a little bit of the narrative in our playthrough, but because we want to avoid spoilers and make sure that you guys have player discovery, we're not going to go into the details. It's easy to learn about Zero Day and what DeadSec is fighting for if you watch any of the trailers, but I'm hoping that there's going to be a nugget that lets me latch on and really care about these characters because I think Mm -hmm. the innovation is wonderful, but I think the downside is there's so much choice that you don't care about any of the choices in a meaningful way. And that's my final thought. Hmm. Brittany, you have been playing Baldur's Gate 3. So this is currently in early access and you have been playing on which platform? On PC, on Steam. Thank you, Larian, for providing me a code for this game as well as Jason so we could play some multiplayer throughout the weekend. So the build we got uh, was an early, early access. And since then, it has been wiped and our saves have been wiped. So after all was said and done, I think I got about eight solid hours in, which was fine, but it was really hard to get a real cohesive playthrough because it was either crashing or the multiplayer was kind of glitching out, which is to be expected. Um, So I'm going to play a little bit. I want to get through actually the first part of all of early access, which is about 20 hours. And then I feel like I can talk more about the story and more about the mechanics because it is so much different from Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2, which is where I'm very familiar with Larian. It's 5th edition D&D, so there's a lot of different like things I got to wrap my head around. Um, so I'm going to play also on Stadia because now Early Access is available on Stadia, so I don't have to sit at my PC. I can use an actual controller and see how uh, see how that goes. So yeah, <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to be talking about it more next week, more in depth, because this current build is a lot more stable. I think there's going to be some areas I'm going to be able to access in this build that I couldn't in the last build because it kept crashing, blah, 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 blah. But if you're really curious, there are a lot of, obviously, hands-on previews out now already, but I want to play the shiny new version and give all of my thoughts on that one. What did you play as versus what was Jason? Like, what were your builds? I was, oh, a fighter? I don't I don't know what build it was because I know if you get into the D&D shit, you can't just say I was a warrior, I was a barbarian, sure. I was a fighter because they're all different. But I was definitely the melee and he was the wizard. And he had fun with his class because it's not, again, like D&D rules. You don't level, you don't gain necessarily so many experience points. You're not leveling up every few fights. Mm -hmm. You level up much slower. And when you do level up, you get to choose what spells you want to add to your spell book and blah, blah, blah. And so he had a lot of fun with the uh, wizard that he played as. As the fighter, I didn't feel like I got any cool new moves until about hour seven and then seven or eight. And then that's when we stopped playing. And then our game was wiped like a day later. So we couldn't go back and pick up from that playthrough. Got it. But, um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's available, like I said, Steam Early Access, and it's also on Stadia. You do need to pay the $60 if you want to access it, but Larian has been very clear in saying, like, hey, you can stay far, far away if you want, but this is how they tend to launch their games. They like to do Early Access for a while, get a lot of feedback, and make modifications as need be. But yeah, and, and worth noting, too, your progress, your characters won't transfer to the final build. 
So at all ever and any early access. According to their fact, it says, yeah, the characters won't transfer. You have to start a new character. Good so that important that's like, note. That's such a bummer because you as a big Larian fan obviously want to get in for early access, but that's so much time you're sinking in for it all to just be like poofed Goodbye. away. Yeah. Poofed. Yeah, it is. On one hand though, I don't mind it because it gives me this opportunity to play the game as I probably wouldn't play in the final game, aka I can be an asshole and kill everyone. Because <laughs> I won't do that in my final game. I didn't so think about it you, that way. Big brain yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different choices you can make because you also have all these checks you need to make. And if you fail those, the dialogue branch is different. So your playthrough, and this is something they're touting, will be very, very different every single time. And of course, they're using like the fancy PR speak. No, two playthroughs will be the same. I don't know how true <laughs> that really is. But, 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 yeah. but yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, looking forward to playing it. I'll be back next week with more thoughts. Ooh, thoughts and prayers. Yeah. yeah. I like the way no. your thoughts look. Thanks. Well, thank you for that little teaser. If you guys are interested, of course, Baldur's Gate 3 is available for anybody to play in early access. And you just got to be okay with your save going away forever. Yeah, bye-bye, exactly. Steve. It's all about that bye. sacrifice. And that's going to do it for our hands-on segment for this week. When we come back, we've got a very special interview led by one Rihanna Manuel. You don't want to miss it. Everybody, it's the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. Rihanna, you ran yes. to the mailbox during the break because you were like, <laughs> I have to go get this thing. And it's a candle. And I was like, excuse me, um, do you not know that I am candle fan number one? We need to talk about yeah. this candle. What is this it candle? It's a candle emergency. <laughs> so um, I'll explain uh, how I came across this candle first. So shout out to kind of funny best friend and uh, what's good listener at Anita underscore smack on Twitter, AKA grace grace. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Um, grace owns Valkyrie candle company on Etsy. That's V V a L K Y R I E candle dot Etsy.com. And what really struck me when I went to her candle shop, cause obviously I saw, you know, a friend of the show candle shop i was already sold but like, once candles. i went to the actual i, I need yeah. candles let's do this Duh, yeah, clearly yeah yeah girl needs her candles but once i got there the first one that i saw was this candle and i'm gonna hopefully it can come across clearly it says support women in stem and when i saw this i was like a it's shiny b it says women <laughs> c it says stem and i was like okay sold but then i looked at the description and it turns out 100 of the profits are going to be donated to black girls code when you buy this candle and you can pick which scent you get in it. So I was like, oh my God, Grace, like you just, you just solved every possible desire I could ever have in a candle. So obviously I bought one. Somehow I kept myself to only buying one for now. I'll get more. <laughs> but uh, really quickly, I'll just read the notes for this one, which is Black Cherry Merlot. I'm going to try to get a sexy voice. Hold on. <clears throat> oh, oh. <clears throat> black Currant. Oh. Apple. Black Cherry. Red Wine. Clove. Oak. Amber and vanilla. Ooh, I like mm. it. I like it. Bree, thank you so much for bringing us these candles to to our attention. This week's feature segment, we have a very special interview that was organized by Bree. Would you tell us all about it? 
Yes, absolutely. So um, as you guys know, I have been love stalking at Naysaga on Twitter uh, because she is an amazing black creator from the UK and she does a lot of work in the DE&I space and DE&I stands for diversity, equity and inclusion. And anytime I see somebody doing that kind of work on Twitter, I'm immediately following them. And very, very shortly after I followed her, I slid into her DMs and I was like, hey, you're awesome. Uh, I love what <laughs> I you love do. DMs like, hey, do you want to be friends? Please be friends. <laughs> like, be my friend, please. Purple hearts. And um, she was like, yeah, of course, you seem great. And she was actually featured the same week as I was on Inside Gaming. And so we had something to talk about. And the conversation flowed pretty naturally. We developed a nice little professional friendship. And finally, I was like, hey, you know what? I really want to learn more about what you do professionally and then also what it's like being a black creator um, in the UK because it's something that I obviously am not and I want to know more. And whenever I want to know more, I tend to just go ask people. So um, I asked if she would like to do an interview and I asked you, Andrea, if you'd want to feature it on the show. And you said yes, because you're awesome. Obviously, and we want to feature her on the show. Made it and I wish I could have been there. But because she's in the UK with the time change, it was hard for us to get all of our schedules to align. So I was like, you yeah. guys just set it up without me and, and hopefully we can <laughs> make it work. And thankfully we did. So thank you for organizing. Yes, of course. And uh, something that I talked about with with Stephanie um, was the fact that this is Black History Month in the UK. And so we talked a little bit about that and what companies are doing. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys hear the rest of it in the segment. Hi, everyone. And hi to you, Steph. Um, everybody, hey. we have Nay Saga here with us today. Really, really excited to be speaking with you because of all of the amazing work that you do in the spaces Thank that you, you. occupy. But for people who don't know who you are, can you tell us uh, a little bit about what you do professionally and in, in the gaming space and in the work that you've been doing in the diversity realm? Yeah, so my name is Stephanie. I'm 26 and I am the founder of one of UK's leading gaming and entertainment platforms called Naysaga, where we specialize in gaming events, media-based events, you know, community-based stuff, diversity and inclusive training and consultation. But our main thing is basically championing diversity and inclusion. My thing is growing up as a gamer, I never felt represented or I've never felt included in a space. You know, five years ago when I started this, I tried to apply for gaming jo jobs. I tried to, you know, involve myself in a space, especially maybe as a beginner, but they just didn't allow me in it. So I thought, let me just create my own world until it grows so big that the doors come knocking and then I'm in control and then I'm in power. And I think it's so important to, you know, create your own space or to create something that, you know, you have total control over and you can't be bossed around or you can't be, you know, minuscule because again, with the way society is, sometimes they try to box you into one space. So my space with game with Naysaga especially is, you know, creating safe spaces for people who look like me, men, women, non-binary, the LGBT community. But essentially me being a woman, a black woman in this space, we're not often respected, we're not often, you know, treated as our fellow non-black um, counterparts. So this is just a safe haven for people like me, especially for women, you know, to just come together, enjoy your love for gaming. We also specialize in anime, comics, movies, TV shows, anything that you deem nerdy, we've got you. So in doing so, I've been able to create a really big community that has allowed, you know, people to birth their love for streaming again, creating content and just connecting with one, um, one another. You know, during my events before COVID, um, I was allowed to, you know, meet so many 
amazing, beautiful people from all different walks of life who love gaming. And that's what it's all about. And everyone has been so you know, respectful in doing so. I've been able to just grow Naysaga. And I also do content creating and I also do streaming myself. And my main thing is just making sure that the mission that I'm doing is bigger than me. I'm able to open doors and, you know, provide more opportunities for people like you and I. Uh, that's so important. And thank you personally for the work that you do. It's it's definitely needed now more than ever. And uh, I know that it's very hard work, very emotionally draining. And oh. it means a lot that there's people like you out there who are making a difference. So thank much you. appreciated. So... You are based out of the UK, and October is Black History Month over there. Yep. And I know we have a lot of fans in the States, but we also have a lot of people who are all around the world. So I would really love to hear what your experience of Black History Month has been being in Europe and, you know, what you think maybe is different this year, if anything, or what do you think you, you hope should be different this year? So I believe first and foremost, Black people should be celebrated every single month, every single day, second, hour, whatever you name it. That's how we should be celebrated. In the UK, you know, they do make their efforts, you know, especially with a lot of companies based here and especially with a lot of global companies who understand that Black History Month is in the UK in October. They do, you know, do their efforts to try and ensure that People understand their history. People understand why Black history is super important. They throw activities. They do workshops, panels, events. But I feel like, especially this year, with everything that's happened with, you know, the Black Lives Matter and stuff, this year is a thing where now everyone is putting, like, a microscope on Black History Month, especially in the UK. You know, companies are now trying to be very delicate and tread lightly so they don't mess up. Because we've seen a lot of that, even before Black History, we've seen a lot, them missing the mark, them getting it wrong every single time. And especially with this month in particular, I feel like it's important for as Black talent, not just creators, just people, you know, in everyday work life, because, you know, your companies are going to be asking you to do panels or workshops, you know, especially in the corporate world. I think it's really important to make sure that you know that you're valuable, you hold value, you hold important information that can benefit the companies going forward and you deserve to be paid for it I've told so many people in my community you know people come up to me with so much you know they would want to ask for advice in regards to Steph or like Naysaga how am I able to you know monetize and just show companies that are more value well if they don't you know pay for your time you say no because something bigger and better will come anyways and I know a lot of companies, you know, they say they don't have the budget, but, you know, you do have the budget when it comes to advertising Black History Month or you have the budget when it comes to, you know, finding non-Black you know, black talent for the money. So what is it different now with Black talent? Is it because now that, you know, we've stood our ground, we're now actually being more outspoken of a lot of things? And I think another thing is trying to be very unapologetic with everything that you do. I understand that with any type of company you're in, especially within the games industry, people expect you to be quiet. People expect you to be yes men. People expect you to follow the rules, but it it doesn't it doesn't work like that. And even when we do follow the rules, we end up getting killed. And then it, it, it you know the system has been designed to kill us, and it's been designed to keep us from being great. You know, and 
unfortunately, those are the trials and tribulations that we have to face. But if we can try and, you know, start within our workplaces, start within the industries that we're in to just say no or to stand your ground, slowly but surely you will see the changes. And I think especially for this month, don't do anything for free. Tell the companies this is what you need to do to improve. But even if you do tell them, tell them it costs you to consult with them because again you are given the ideas you are the ones that are making the changes and to the corporate companies and the big you know brands that are looking in and trying to see how they can help don't just focus on black history month what's going to happen after black history month we still have an ongoing fight an ongoing battle we cannot do this ourselves unfortunately and when we try to do it ourselves we end up in jail we end up getting killed something happens so we have to kind of create this kind of allyship so then we're able to kind of make these changes permanent solutions don't happen unless there's permanent changes and I'm always talking about diversity and inclusion because unfortunately we're not recognized we're not represented and there's so many of us but we're not highlighted into that you know into that big scale and like you said earlier it's tired it's draining you know and there's times I just feel like I just want to give up the fight but I know again (laughs) Like I said, you know, this is bigger than me. This is me providing more opportunities for people when I leave the earth, you know? Like, it's always important to create that impact because when you create that impact, it follows through for generations to come. So, you know, to wrap it up in a sense, don't just focus on this month saying, oh, you want to make sure you put everything into Black History Month this month. November's coming, December's coming, next year is coming. We're still having to fight with the police you know, police are still killing us. What are you guys trying to do? It's not just giving us money to talk on like a 30-minute panel. There needs to be some sort of thought after that, you know? And I think another important thing is this month is a month to listen. I think a lot of the times, so many people are speaking over each other. So many people are trying to, you know, come up with different types of solutions. But unless you experience it, unless you're in it, you cannot help. You have to listen. So I think this month and especially is like about listening, listening and taking heed into what you can do to change. And that's so important. And we've seen a number of companies get it wrong recently, (laughs) clearly, but we don't need to talk about that. What I want to know from you specifically Mm -hmm. is where do you see people and companies doing things right, or at least a little better than they have before? Maybe examples that we could point to that people should look to and follow. I think the ones that are doing stuff right are the ones who are doing stuff internally first. Because I know when the whole Black Lives Matter stuff was going on and, you know, when all that phase was happening, a lot of um, companies were putting out statements but weren't following through with that after. And then you see another lot of companies that were not putting out statements but were actually putting in the action. And those are the ones where I think personally are the ones you need to take heed to because... It's not just about saying something and then not doing it. It's about actually doing it without trying to be reminded or trying to have people attack you saying, oh, why didn't you make a statement? Why didn't you do this? Um, One example I'd say is Elgato. Now, I'm not just saying that because I'm partnered with them, but they understood that in order for them to move, in order for them to understand what's going on with the world, they have to put more action into place. They were doing a lot of internal workshops. They were doing a lot of internal training. They were also amplifying it and now you know bringing in more black partners more black creators to show that listen we want to make sure we diversify that you know their thing is isn't the strongest but they wanted to improve even now this month um when i spoke to them 
you know, because El Gato is based in America, you know, predominantly, I asked, okay, so what are you guys doing for Black History Month in the UK? Because I understand, yes, a lot of global companies are in America, but this is a global thing going on right now. Anything that happens in America, it affects us and everywhere else. So it was just really nice to hear that, you know, they were doing a... a, um, you know, I suggested doing something to highlight and spotlight black, you know, British content creators. And now they're actually doing that. So on the timeline on the Elgato Twitter page, you actually see they started now highlighting black British content creators. And it's amazing because now people are able to see like, yo, like there's people that look like me that are in this space, but I didn't even know until they were amplified. It's just, you know what, sometimes it's just the little things that make a long-term impact. It's not about putting loads of money into a marketing campaign that's going to be here tomorrow and um, here today and gone tomorrow. Sometimes it's just those little impacts that allow you to open up that, you know, bracket for more opportunities and more things to come. So, yeah. No, that's perfect. And and thanks for naming names because a lot of times folks want to be allies. They want to support companies that are making that true, lasting, positive change. But they don't know who is who. And it's very easy to get caught up in the marketing because it's mm. effective. It's shiny. They got the black screen with the white text and you think they're doing the right thing because they have all of the donation links up. But yeah. maybe they're not actually putting in the work behind the scenes. So it's exactly. good to know who is. Mm. No, definitely. I definitely agree. And especially because... I mean, we can name a long list of people who ain't doing it right, but, you know, for the purpose <laughs> of today, <laughs> um, I think the ones that, you know, for me personally, I'm all about helping and I'm all about trying to improve where there is a lack of. So, you know, what I said earlier about diversity and inclusive training and consultation, I do that as well. But internally, I try to talk to, you know, companies in terms of how can you improve from your hiring processes to the people who do your journalism to stuff like that you know um i was working with pc gamer over the week um over the summer um doing like a gaming kind of internship and it all started because i blasted them i'll be honest with you i just <laughs> i just saw that because you know they do the pc gaming show every year and you know they made a statement about like black lives matter and i said okay that's i tweeted underneath saying oh that's great but just you know <laughs> We need more black people, basically. <laughs> no point is, you know. And one of the um, managing direct, one of the directors, actually commented after that we stand by you, like you know, we hear everything you're saying, and then followed after. I said, "Oh, amazing!" And then, then you heard, then you saw like the racist comment underneath, which is not normal, but you know, normal. So um, then after that, we spoke. You know, we had like internal conversations. We had a meeting. Sometimes, again, like I said, it's just about listening and trying to do what you can. After I did the, and then all of a sudden they wanted me to do like an internship and work with them and how they can improve. And after that was over, we did a follow up and, you know, they're actually doing internal work and internal training like every week to make sure that they're improving their, their diversity, their understanding. They're trying to do the unconscious bias training, you know, stuff like that. And it's just really nice to hear that they're actually making the steps towards change because I know and I understand that change is not overnight, but if we can actually see you're doing those things and making those steps, you know, you're going to see the stuff in the bigger picture long-term wise. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned the unconscious bias training because we don't have to get super into the weeds on it, but unconscious <laughs> bias, honestly, it's insidious. If you don't know what it is, please Google it really quickly. Um, there are tests that you can take to see where you are on scales for all kinds of bias. 
but it really does change the way people treat each other, which is yeah. ultimately what we need to fix. And so it's really great that that people are reaching out to you to do that work and paying you for your time. Oh, girl, I didn't look for free anymore. Like, mm-mm. I've been five years deep into this game. Mm-mm. No way, no mm-hmm. way, no way. No I mean, way. that actually brings up a really interesting point because I'm assuming there are companies out there, or at least people at companies out there, who want to do better and mm-hmm. who don't really know where to start. And I'm not going to go down the road of, like, stop asking Black people to fix your racism. It's not our job. We tried. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, But if people are looking for resources to help point each other in the right direction, where do you think they should start? In the communities, you know, in the communities, the platforms who are already existing and they are doing the work to provide that sort of pool. When it comes to campaigns and projects, you're still seeing the same people doing and being in front of those faces when there's a whole community and a whole pool of talent who are looking for that opportunity but when they try to reach out they're rejected and then you have that thing of when you when it turns around the companies say oh we can't find any people or any black people when really and truly you guys weren't checking for us in the first place and we when we tried to check for you guys it was just you know ignoring of emails and and all sorts and it's just like it's so unfair because you know, really and truly, we make the culture. There's a lot of things, especially in pop culture, just in general. This is just even not gaming. This is just like the span across every type of industry that we're in. We make the culture. And you cannot tell me that, you you know, you can't find a Black woman to do a tech review or, you know, a Black disabled man to do something that's of your campaign. And it's just like, we're going to grow tired of seeing the same faces that you keep marketing because that is not the true reflection. And then if we go back into gaming, gaming is so diverse and there's so many faces from all different kinds of backgrounds that you cannot be telling me that you're marketing it to a a white middle-aged man. That is not the face of gaming. And even when it comes to journalism, like that is not, that's not what it is. And I would rather listen to somebody who looks like me from, because I know I, I can understand the you know experience and that ha- that having that relatability also helps boost the person's boost like the company's brand as well. If you have that relatability in your campaign, engagement reaches even money will improve. But the fact that it's because you keep you know promoting that same old rhetoric, we're just in this continuous cycle. And then lack of opportunities are given. You're having to now go and create stuff yourself. One of the reasons why I even created Naysag is because there was a lack of opportunities. There was nobody really who looks like me who was doing what I was doing. So I had to kind of create that space to be that voice for people, you know? So, yeah. Uh, that's It sucks that we really do have to start the ball rolling so often, but mm. I don't know. Hopefully this is changing. Hopefully. I, I hope so. This momentum well, continues. You know, we'll we'll keep trying. That's yeah, all we can do. That's all we can do, you know. I mean, it's tiring, but again, this is not just this is just not for us. It's for like the generations to come, you know. Yeah, and when I look to like my nieces and my nephews, and you know, mm-hmm. younger gamers and younger pop culture nerds, I think they do have a brighter future. I think the work that we're doing does make a difference for them, and so the fight is worth it. And yeah, they all create amazing things that we could never have dreamed of because of the limitations we've had because of the lack Mm -hmm. of representation we've experienced and Mm. it does give me some motivation and some hope to know that it'll be better for them yeah I agree just like seeing my little sister you know just making sure that even if she wants to go into gaming you know 
at least there's that platform and that space and that, you know, leeway for her. Yeah. So kind of going back to the idea of community and different communities that you occupy because you're in so many different spaces, what has it been like for you growing up as a Black woman overseas? And I say overseas, but you're at home. Yeah. <laughs> in the UK or or all the different places that you've lived. Like, what has that experience been like? Um, For me personally, you know, being a woman, being a Black woman, you know, if we're going to keep it a buck, we are like the most neglected. We are the most disrespected and... Fortunately for me, I've been able to have that tough skin to overcome that. And I guess being a quote-unquote nerd, because I don't like to label myself, but being a quote-unquote nerd, um, I haven't had to have, like anyone tell me, oh, you know, you can't be this, you can't be that. Um, you know, I've always been a tomboy growing up. I've always hanged, like, hung around guys because, you know, that was it. I didn't really see many Black women in gaming until, you know, I got a bit older. But... I never saw it as a thing of, oh, I'm around so many guys. I just saw it as around, well, I'm around so many gamers because that was just the common interest. So, you know, it was all right. But at the same time, just being black and just, again, being a woman, going into party chats, playing Call of Duty, hearing the sexist comments, hearing the racist comments on top of that. You know, again, like I said, if if not for tough skin, I wouldn't, not, I wouldn't be able to deal with, like, a lot of that stuff. And even now where I am with Naysada, I'm still getting guys in my comments. I'm still getting like, you know, racist people in my comments. I'm still, you know, still f facing those trials and tribulations. And it's, it's, it's just a lot, you know, especially the ignorance as well. Being like an attractive woman, there's a lot of ignorance attached to, you know, you being a gamer because they feel like you're very one dimensional. They feel like you don't know what you're talking about. There's just a lot of judging before they've even spoken. So, again, there is that kind of, there is that fight, that continuous cycle that we're always fighting for. Even when, I guess, doing the YouTube content creating, because yes, I had the Naysaga brand and then I have my own personal brand. So, even like doing the saga and stuff and like the content creating on YouTube, you have companies and PR agencies telling you that, oh, you need to look like this pretty white girl to, you know, be involved in these kind of campaigns or because I am not the thinnest of people. Like I have like curves and stuff like that. Like you have to conform and tired. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I just, it, it's just the thing of like the way people try to market again that kind of one-dimensional um, facade of what gaming is it can be tiring but at the same time it's really cool because I love being a black woman I love being who I am being a gamer being different like knowing that I'm a different to you know to so many other black women or so many other women period like I know that like for me that that's what carries so much and just my integrity and just how I just carry what I do bold face about it that's what I, you know, believe in. And I'm always a person about quality, you know, and quantity and quality over quantity and just showing that what I do and what I put in, the benefits that come out of it, I know it's going to be long-term, you know, and especially get, again, I know that I don't like to call myself like a role model, but I know that unintentionally I am. And I know that I am the voice of so many Black women who want to do this, but they can't, or, you know, they've had that fear or, you know, they've always been vulnerable to, you know, do or insecure because 
some guy or somebody would tell you, oh yeah, you know, you're not good enough or you shouldn't even be in these spaces because you're a woman. But knowing that I'm one of those voices that can help other women, you know, going forward, you know, I feel very proud to do what I'm doing. There's still a lot, you know, there's still a long way to go. I still have myself, you know, my little self targets that I want to reach, but I'm comfortable, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable. And again, it's just, about, it's about being unapologetic about everything. Absolutely. And I know we only have you for a little bit more time, but yeah. I guess the last thing I would like to know from you is what future do you see for, for those girls or those black kids coming up? If we do get this right, if we are able to move the needle and make things better, what do you think it'll be for them to come into these spaces and, and how do you think they'll experience nerddom? I think it will be a lot more settled for them. And I also think that, you know, they won't have to face so much pressure and trying to conform into what is deemed the right way to make this a career. You know, even people who want to do content creating, streaming, if even if they don't, they want to work behind the scenes and marketing, the business side, the, you know, the development team, the, you know, all that stuff, the creating of games, doing this. And for us, what we're doing will ease them into doing it a lot more better, like going forward. And, you know, I want it to be in a sense where we get to that point in the industry where, they don't have to try 10 times harder to be, you know, considered the same as our white counterpart. You know, I want it to be a thing where when they're getting the job, it's not because, you know, it's a sympathy vote or something like that. It's because they are talented and they are not looked at a different way because they are black. You know, I want it to be a thing where when you look at in the next 10, 20 years, when you're looking at what the games company is looking like, what their workforce is looking like. It's super diverse. It's not just one black guy or one black woman amongst 50 white people. It's a diverse amount of people. You know, I want it to be a thing where people are just enjoying themselves. They're making it their, you know, their careers, but they're also enjoying themselves first and foremost. And also to, again, not to put too much pressure on yourself and to just be, just be yourself. Just just be that person that you know that before, you know, the camera was on you or before you w walked into that first studio that you don't have to change who you are as a person, but you can just be who you are and make an impact. So, yeah. Mm. Well, I hope we get there. And I know the work that Same. you do puts us closer every day. So thank you. Thank again. you so much. And thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I really appreciate it. You know, the work that you do. Super, <laughs> super, super. Guys, listen, she is amazing. And, you know, oh. it's such an honor to just be virtually next to her talking. <laughs> you know, um, honestly, it's just important to support one another and just, we're all, you know, we're all we have. And it's just best to just hold on tight to each other and just do what we can to support one another. Absolutely. So all all of our black and brown brothers and sisters in the UK, shout out. Happy Blacktober. Yes, Hope yes. you guys are enjoying it and uh, stay safe out there, everyone. Thanks again, Stephanie, for the interview. And uh, we had an amazing conversation. And thanks again, you, Andrea, uh, for making it happen. I and getting did it on the show this nothing week. here. It was on a couple emails. You this was all you, Re. <laughs> That's the kind uh, of content we want to feature on the show, Re. It's all good. <laughs> happy to do it. And I hope to do more. But yeah, keep an eye out for her on Twitter. She's doing big things lately. And uh, yeah, celebrate Black History for the UK. 
Absolutely. And please do go check out those links. We'll have them in the show notes for you guys if you want to follow Stephanie and all the content that she is making, not just for gamers in the UK, but for everybody worldwide. And thank you to Ree for making that happen. I think what we love doing here at What's Good Games is making sure we highlight people who maybe wouldn't normally get access to the audience here in the United States, particularly UK creators and women who are in the space doing really cool things. So shout out to you, Rihanna, for making that happen. And on that note, that is going to do it for our show this week. Thank you, everybody, for hanging with us. It was a great episode. We will be back next week with even more content. Don't forget about Monday's Lights Off. We'll see you soon, everybody. Bye. Bye.